You are listening to Go Full Crypto. I'm your host, Rogakshi Palway. This podcast is your best resource for crypto stories in the form of discussions and interviews. We uncomplexify tech jargon and we like to keep it simple. My co-host, Keegan Francis and I, we're here to empower you with the knowledge you need to confidently navigate your way into the world of crypto. Join us as we embark on the journey of driving the adoption of cryptocurrency. Join us in going full crypto. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. At no point in time should the topics of discussion be construed or taken as investment advice. Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and their guests on this podcast will not be held accountable for any losses. The content discussed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are intended to be for informational purposes only. Welcome to episode 15 of the Go Full Crypto podcast. Today's episode will be a bit of like a new spiel combined with uh, some tidbits from my personal history with Bitcoin. Uh, in the past, it kind of looks like I went more uh, Go Full Bitcoin than Go Full Crypto, and we're going to be leaking some aspects of that into this episode. Uh, and uh, the most exciting news that we have for, for us, for our viewers and listeners today is a highly reputable exchange, a global exchange called Kraken, just became the first cryptocurrency exchange to go on to be a U.S. bank. So they are now a U.S. bank equivalent, and this is incredibly exciting news for reasons that we're, we're going to dive into right now. So let's get started. Great. So yes, Kraken becomes a bank. So let's Let's really go to what Bitcoin stood for and what it says it is in, in the white paper. It says it's a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. And encourage we encourage everyone to go and read the white paper for Bitcoin. We link it in the show notes for this episode because the abstract um, basically says that for too long we have relied on financial systems in order to be the intermediary between um, sending payments over the internet. And that's what Bitcoin aimed to solve. And why pointing to that is important is because Kraken similarly well, is, was a, was a um, crypto exchange and uh, needed to rely on banks in order to uh, make that connection between users' money and uh, well, a federal institution that um, stored the money for them. But they no longer have to do that. Right. Yeah. So they used to have to rely on, like you said, a bank of their own, a U.S. bank of their own to handle users, U.S. dollar deposits and payments. And what this new ruling is, is that, okay, they're their own bank. The state of Wyoming gave them a license essentially to be their own bank. And now they get direct access to the federal uh, banking and payments infrastructure, which essentially removes a whole layer from their system in theory this will make kraken much more efficient at, at what they do and just making them an ever better exchange than they already are and just providing users more services that they previously couldn't because they didn't have um, the regulatory requirements in order to deliver those services right and one of the reasons why this this is something that we're talking about today and why this is so significant is because there's been a bit of a narrative in the Bitcoin space, at least portrayed by the mainstream media, that, okay, Bitcoin will never go anywhere, it'll crash and burn, it'll die, it's not a legitimate form of money. Yet what we just saw happen today 
And for reference, today is September the 16th, 2020. Uh, what we just saw happen is a cryptocurrency exchange, which apparently to the mainstream media is not a legitimate institution. It just got legitimized in one of the biggest ways possible. And that's, re that's really remarkable. And let's just paint a bit of a picture right now. So the, the table of bankers, uh, like when we're talking about the mainstream and global adoption of Bitcoin, we kind of thought that we'd have to, it would be a renegade movement and we'd have to, you know, uh, boister ourselves up against this room of bankers. But now we've got a crypto exchange that has the best interests of crypto, the everyday average crypto individual sitting at the table with the rest of the bankers. And everyday individuals as well, because right. um, for the average individual, crypto almost often, most uh, most times related reference to Bitcoin is something that cannot be trusted. But most people know that if something is a bank, then it usually can be trusted. And for the reasons that um, getting the status of a bank is extremely difficult and Kraken has just surpassed that uh, difficult path and now is forging the, the way forward in the crypto industry as well as just in in a mainstream industry or mainstream media too yeah i mean this is like breaking news we're literally covering this eight <laughs> hours after it's come out so i have a question about something you said yeah. earlier before you go on sure what is a renegade movement oh a renegade movement would uh, kind of be like a riot uh like there's a a strong undercurrent of uh, Bitcoiners in the counterculture. What's what, can you elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in Hong Kong with the protests, there's uh, there's Bitcoiners all over the place because in people's bank accounts and organizations bank accounts that are organizing these uh, these protests and these riots, uh, their bank accounts can be shut down. And so Bitcoin's the ideal currency for that because it's censorship resistant. It can't be um, seized or uh, frozen. The bank account of the Bitcoin accounts, that is. And so when I said that there's uh, that the narrative was that the only way that Bitcoin would be able to take over the world is through a renegade movement, there, we've kind of seen a crack in that narrative now because for whatever reason, we, we now have Kraken as a legitimate U United States banking institution. And Kraken is uh, the best representation of um, a, a Bitcoin exchange. Cool. Thank you for explaining that. I didn't know what the, the term renegade meant. Well, I mean, if you didn't know, then there's a yeah. good chance there's a portion of our users that would love that explained to them too. So yeah. that's great. Exactly. Yeah. So open question to Kraken. Uh, when will you have a banking presence in Canada? Right. Indeed. <laughs> when will you become a Canadian banking institution? And we have listeners from all over the world. So if you have any questions for them, you can send them our way and we can compile an open letter. We know a couple of folks over at Kraken and start that conversation. Yeah. So on the on the thread of legitimization, uh, the next piece of news that we wanted to uh, bring to your attention is there is a NASDAQ traded company and the NASDAQ is one of the largest, if not the largest stock exchange in the world. There's a, a company called MicroStrategy. And what they've done is they, they're sitting on a pile of cash reserves. And, uh, like a, a lot of companies, yeah. just companies have cash reserves, as do we, as do Tahini's restaurant. Exactly. And individuals would think of this as, uh, that's my rainy day fund. And that's kind of how MicroStrategy has described this these cash reserves for themselves as well. It's their rainy day fund. And what they've done with it is they've converted, so this rainy day fund, it's uh, 
for a really, really rainy day. <laughs> it's a $500 million fund. And what they've done over the course of the last two months, they've converted $425 million into Bitcoin and acquired that for long-term holdings. And that is uh, mind-blowing. That's really quite mind-blowing because, well, for a number of reasons. Um, MicroStrategy is a company that's traded on the stock exchange. So thousands, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people own the stock of MicroStrategy. And since MicroStrategy just went and bought Bitcoin, it now makes those owners of MicroStrategy stock secondary or indirect owners of that Bitcoin itself. And so what we just saw happen is a massive amount of people just unknowingly, maybe even unwillingly became Bitcoin owners. People who were crit critics of Bitcoin before are now have to like it's on their radar simply because the company that they're investing in is also a major shareholder of Bitcoin now. And that is a huge threat for legitimization, which is, you know, it's worth talking about. Yeah, you said major shareholder and um, something if I was listening to this without any context, I would assume or interpret that as they own a major share of Bitcoin or, or a major portion of Bitcoin. Right. But just to clarify that it that it does not mean that they own a major portion of Bitcoin. It is major to most average people because it's four hundred and twenty five million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, but that number actually comes out to 38,250 Bitcoin is the amount of Bitcoin that MicroStrategy has now. There you go. And there's 18 million in circulation. So and 21 million in total. <laughs> so um, major portion, maybe. Um, like yeah, it depends it, on what you compare it it's to. It's less than 1% of all Bitcoin. Uh, I, I think if my math comes out correctly, it's something like 0.2%. And then for reference, the Winklevoss twins, if you've ever heard of these uh, this, these two groups or these two individuals, they're the two people that sued Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg for stealing their idea. But the Winklevoss twins, after they got their hands on the settlement money from Facebook, they went and bought 1% uh, of the total Bitcoin supply. They just pumped millions and millions of dollars into Bitcoin in like 2013, something around yeah, then. Yeah, 2013, 2014, yeah. And they're one of the biggest shareholders of Bitcoin. They own 1% of the supply, which is, that's pretty ridiculous. And uh, for a secondary reference, the biggest shareholder that we know of in the world is Satoshi Nakamoto. Hang on, just to yeah. uh, recap back to the Winkle, the Winkle Voss twins. If I remember my number correctly, it was $11 million that they put into Bitcoin in 2013, 2014, when the price of Bitcoin was uh, a, low. A, a very low. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So when the price of Bitcoin shot up in 2017 and even where it is right now, that made the Winkle Voss twins the first Bitcoin billionaires. That's right. Which is, that's crazy. Yeah, and yeah. they also have founded an exchange called Gemini, or Gemini, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you were talking about Satoshi Nakamoto, who is the... The, the, the largest shareholder, shareholder of Bitcoin, and they own about 5% of the supply. And, and just for reference, when we say shareholder, like sometimes people might get confused and think that also means governance in some way, shape, or form. But owning a percentage of Bitcoin has nothing to do with how that network is controlled on a technical level. And Bitcoin is still as secure as it would be if uh, if they didn't have these large shareholders. And, and that's also worth noting from time to time. Yeah. The first time we uh, you might have heard MicroStrategy on our podcast was when we interviewed Ali Hamam from Tahini's Restaurant, um, who also converted their cash reserves into Bitcoin. And it was um, soon after 
he had heard about MicroStrategy buying $300 million worth of Bitcoin. So it was just recently that MicroStrategy bought $125 million more of Bitcoin, getting up their total up to $425 million. And yeah, people are believing in holding their cash reserves in in Bitcoin. Including us. Including us. Which brings us to the next topic of conversation, which is how do we feel about all this happening? And are we actually following suit? I think we'd be a little bit hypocritical if yeah. uh, if we weren't <laughs> following suit with in some way, shape or form. And we actually have been doing this. Um, in 2017, 2018, I worked for a company called the Pure Place Blockchain Standards Association. And they actually paid me in Bitcoin. I took my salary for about eight months in Bitcoin. And I lived like that seamlessly. It was, a, it was a fine way to live. And I was able to convert my Bitcoin into Canadian dollars for regular expenses and then store my Bitcoin reserves for later for a rainy day and start a Bitcoin rainy day fund of my own. Yeah. And just even the cash reserves of um, our parent company and GoFull Crypto, we are converting our cash reserves into Bitcoin because cash is the worst asset class. Is it even an asset class? It is an asset class. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, it is guaranteed to go down over time as uh, as inflation goes up. And so that, that's the, the reasoning why MicroStrategy gave uh, for converting their huge sum of money into Bitcoin. They're just like, why would I keep this amount of money if at the end of the year, I'm gonna, it's going to be worth less to, to us. We might yeah. as well gamble. Uh, I was listening to a, a podcast with the CEO of MicroStrategy Day, and he said that, you know, even if Bitcoin drops 50%, there's that potential that it'll go up by ten, a factor of 10. And that's the, that's the gamble. That's the risk that they're willing to take. And, and um, I mean, we're also willing to take that risk. It's um, in our opinion, Bitcoin's a better store of value than cash. That's true. I remember this being said somewhere and it was um, people don't realize that due to inflation, they are paying um, money on their money existing. I put that in a really fractured way, um, but <laughs> people don't realize that the, there is a cost to inflation and average everyday middle-class people are the ones, especially the people who don't have enough um, to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. They are the ones who pay the most when the supply of money uh, becomes larger. And that's not good. That's not great. And that's one reason why having your, storing your savings in an asset class that is going to retain your value for you, retain the value of your money for you is a much better strategy, is just a much better um, alternative to storing it in cash. Yeah. And we've covered this in a previous episode where we're experts at Bitcoin, we are Bitcoiners, which is why we always talk about storing it in cryptocurrency. But stocks is another way to do that. And um, that's something we won't really get into because <laughs> we don't know much about doing that. Yeah, I'm not invested in the stock market whatsoever. Yeah, me neither. So yeah, okay. we'll, we'll stick to our area of expertise then. <laughs> Continue talking about Bitcoin. So you talked about how you take your you used to take your salary in um, Bitcoin when you worked at PBSA. Yep. And uh, well, for all intents and purposes, at the company that you work for right now, your own company, you also take your salary in Bitcoin. That's right. And we obviously have a lot more freedom to pay ourselves in whatever currency we want, seeing how we are the owners of the, our parent company, Atlantic Blockchain Company. And so, yeah, 
I can take my salary in Bitcoin. I can also expense uh, business expenses in Bitcoin and being reimbursed in Bitcoin. And that's uh, that's something that we did recently when I needed a new computer. Uh, and so my, my sister's computer broke. It's going to cost her $700 to fix it. And instead of uh, allowing her to have that expense, I just gave her my old one. And this was a great excuse for the company to buy a new computer for me. And, you know, yeah, you what? <laughs> You said it in such a funny way. It was a great excuse for the company to buy a laptop for me, but you needed it. I did need you it. You had a very old computer. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yeah, it all lined up. The timing was, was it was right. Yeah. And so what I what ended up happening is uh, I bought that computer with my personal credit card, and then uh, and that was paid in Canadian dollars. And the company has Bitcoin reserves and I filed my expense uh, reimbursement form with the company and it got approved by the company CEO. Thank you, Murgakshi Pawe. You're welcome. And, and we signed off and the company agreed to pay that, that reimbursement in Bitcoin. And that's all that's all well and good. As far as we're concerned, that is a completely legitimate way to uh, to reimburse Keegan Francis for the purchase of that new computer. Yeah. As long as all of these transactions are reported at the end of the year, which they will be, right, um, and taxes are paid on capital gains, capital loss, or any money that is converted back into fiat money, um, you're good to go. You can really just have your money in whatever asset class you want. It does get a little hairy to account for this uh, because, the, the, quite frankly, the crypto literacy in the accounting or the bookkeeping world is not... Uh, necessarily up to the standard that it needs to be for the average bookkeeper or accountant. There's uh, really niche groups of people doing this that are very well and good at doing it, but uh, they, they cost a little bit more since their their expertise is a little bit more specialized. Uh, but as, as long as you know how to do it, it's, it's not a difficult thing to account for for a company to deal with cryptocurrencies at the end of the day. Even a small shop owner, if they wanted to start accepting cryptocurrency or taking uh, paying their employees in cryptocurrency. This is totally something within the realm of possibility that people can do. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to um, listen to the questions that our listeners will think of when they hear that you were reimbursed in Bitcoin. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to shoot a couple your way. Absolutely. So why would you want your computer's expenses re-expense re in Bitcoin? Because why wouldn't you just uh, use an application where you swipe your card, Bitcoin comes out one end, and you pay in fiat money together? That's a good question. So one way or the other, I, I want to end up uh, with more Bitcoin in Keegan's pocket, uh, which is you know our pocket. Uh, I want to have more Bitcoin in the possession of Keegan Francis, and I also want to reduce the tax burden of the company. And so by expensing the computer to the company, the company actually reduces the amount of taxes that it needs to pay at the end of the year, which means that the company gets to keep more money. And so that's the reason why we expense the computer in the first place. The reason why I'm reimbursed in, uh, in Bitcoin is because, well, it was a MacBook Pro. It was not a small sum of money. Uh, you know, if this was 50 bucks or $100 expense, I might just take the simpler route and, be, and uh, get my reimbursement paid out in Canadian dollars because I intend on spending it. But since it was a larger chunk of uh, money, uh, that uh, it's cheaper to send it. Uh, and 
I, I don't need it's to cheaper ask. Cheaper to send what? Oh, sorry, it's cheaper to send the Bitcoin. So the, the transaction was for more than $3,000. And so if I was to do that from my bank into the Keegan's account, then uh, that might cost me a lot of money. I might have to wait a couple of days. I want access to that capital. I want it in Bitcoin because Bitcoin's actually somewhat expensive to acquire. But if the company's already acquired it, then the cost to Keegan to acquire that Bitcoin is significantly reduced. What do you mean by Bitcoin is somewhat expensive to acquire? Uh, well, if I'm to put $1,000 into Bitcoin, if say if I want to buy $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, depending on the service you choose, when you actually hit that buy button, you might only get $990 or $995. Ideally, uh, like the best case scenario is you would get about $995. Let's just say you take that $1,000 to, uh, to a Bitcoin ATM, you're actually only going to get about $950 worth of Bitcoin. And so that's what I mean by Bitcoin is somewhat expensive to acquire. But since the company paid that entire reimbursement the, for the full value of that computer, I acquired that Bitcoin at uh, no cost to Keegan. I acquired 100% of what I paid for the computer back into Bitcoin. Well, this works out as an ideal situation for you because you are the owner of the company that you're talking about. Yes. But this, what would your message be to someone who is the owner of a company and has acquired Bitcoin? And because this is not something that would benefit them in the end, because they would be getting rid of their um, Bitcoin cash reserves and then putting it into an employee's pocket. Right. So maybe <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I think that the answer to that would be company incentives. So the, com the job market is a highly competitive space. And I, going back to Kraken just for a moment, I, I happen to know that they have the option uh, as an employee, you have the option to receive some of, if not your entire salary in Bitcoin or in cryptocurrency. And why would they want to do that using the same logic that you just presented to me? Well, it attracts talent. Uh, People with the knowledge of cryptocurrency are actually in really high demand right now because the whole crypto industry, the whole blockchain industry is growing at such an aggressive rate that people with the knowledge, any knowledge at all really, of cryptocurrency are in such high demand. And what better way to attract those people and actually to teach them more than to incentivize them to hold and buy and use cryptocurrency. And so by... Kraken, let's just take Kraken as an example. Uh, let's say they hire someone who's never held cryptocurrency before. The easiest way for, to teach people how to use cryptocurrency is to give it to them, is to get them to hold it. After you get those people off of zero, meaning off of they, they've had zero cryptocurrency, after you get them off of zero, uh, then they start rapidly learning and picking up the skills, the knowledge and the expertise to adopt it. And the last thing I'm going to, the last reason is because uh, if Companies such as ours, such as Kraken, actually have a, an invested interest in growing the economy at a cryptocurrency or a Bitcoin-based economy. It's in their best interest for more people to be using it, spending it, holding it, etc. And so by dispersing it and offering to pay expenses in Bitcoin, it may be a monetary loss. But I think in the long run, it all balances out because at the end of the day, we're all fueling the, the crypto adoption. So a bit of a complex answer there for you, but I, I think I answer encapsulated uh, different, the different facets of it. Absolutely. So uh, this question that I'm thinking of would be from someone who is a government representative. And you mentioned that you made 
the company bought the laptop for you to reduce the company's tax burden. Right. And you, you talked about it very openly and in a very uh, censorless way. Mm -hmm. And I want, this is a question that I'm thinking would be uh, from a government representative saying, can you justify reducing your tax burden by purchasing this as part of your company? Can you justify that expense? Uh, yes, absolutely. So the, the computer that I use on a day-to-day -day basis, it belongs to the Atlantic Blockchain Company. And that's how it exists on paper. And so it, it is a company asset at the end of the day. And Keegan Francis gets to use that company asset. And then that's exactly what is reflected in real life. So the company is benefiting immensely from having bought this computer for Keegan because Keegan does a lot of work on that computer for the company. So then why would you say it was reducing tax burden by purchasing it via the company if the company benefited from you using it anyway? Right. Yeah. So this goes into how companies uh, actually account and do their bookkeeping, how taxes work. So if I am, I mean, we are Atlantic Blockchain Company. If we, if we sell something for a thousand dollars, then we owe 15% tax to the government on that. And we actually Do you charge- you have a problem that. paying taxes to the government? No, no, definitely not. No, <laughs> no. So we charge 15% in Nova Scotia on top of that $1,000. And so the bill that our customer gets is for $1,150. And we take that $150 and we put it away in account. And what we can do is we can go out and buy something for $1,000 and we get charged 15% tax. And that, that bill that we pay, we pay- for a thousand dollar asset, we pay at one thousand one hundred fifty dollars, and so that hundred fifty dollars is essentially that tax that we've paid, and we can we can take that one fifty that we just paid to buy this new asset, and use that to balance the hundred fifty that we collected from a sale on the other side, and those two hundred fifty dollar purchases cancel out, and that is essentially we don't owe that one fifty anymore, because we've purchased something of of a thousand dollars of value. Sure. But how does that relate to you saying that uh, reimbursing yourself with Bitcoin and having the company purchase this for you is related in any way, shape or form to reducing the company's tax burden? I, I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay, I was, I'm just trying to um, poke a little bit around um, you using the term tax burden. Reducing the oh, tax maybe like the word burden. Yeah, cause, yeah, because that just um, means that you're burdened by paying taxes and that you're trying to avoid them in any way that you can. No, that no, <laughs> so, right? Maybe tax burden is the wrong. I mm -hmm. mean, it is the lingo that's used in the bookkeeping and accounting industry, and so that's why I'm using it here. Right. But I, I actually I appreciate that uh, that probing into the word the word choice. Because I'm, you're right, uh, using the word burden does give taxes in general a negative connotation. And uh, that's actually not our intention at all. Taxes, I agree with taxes. I think taxes should be collected. I also think that should be there should be a little bit more transparency with how taxes are distributed and spent and used by the government. <laughs> that's another conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. In general, though, I do not see taxes as a burden. Uh, however, as a company, uh, having more money in our account to be used at our own discretion uh, is, uh, is, a, is a good thing for a company to do, especially as small as ours. Okay, yeah. cool. I can see someone who is a government representative being like, okay, cool. Probably don't need to probe any further <laughs> into uh, how these 
two young people are managing their money and trying to avoid taxes. Well, we'd actually love to talk to someone from the Canada Revenue Agency on the topic of crypto. If uh, there's anyone out there that is a member of a government agency, send us an email to uh, ready at gofullcrypto.com and strike up a conversation. If you're comfortable, we'll have you on the podcast. And that would be a really fascinating conversation for our listeners, I think. And on the topic of taxes and paying in yourself in Bitcoin, there is um, there are some countries around the world that accept having uh, receiving taxes to the government in Bitcoin. Yeah. And yeah, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. Czech Republic, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to remember the names. Wow, I feel so engulfed with the news that uh, is taking place in Canada and the States and a little bit of India. But man, need to really get to know more about what's happening around the world uh, on a first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, taxes are accepted by um, the government of Switzerland from its people in, in Bitcoin. And Ethereum, actually, for that matter. And Ethereum. Yeah, which is incredible. The two top two, the top two cryptocurrencies you can... You can use those to pay your taxes in uh, in Switzerland. Cool. So to do a quick recap on what we've covered this episode, we talked about Kraken, which is a cryptocurrency exchange that today, September 16, 2020, was approved to be a U.S. bank. And that is fantastic for forwarding and uh, accelerating the cryptocurrency revolution. And it's great for Kraken. It's flat out mind blowing, actually. From, I've been in a bit of a daze today just because I <laughs> did not see this kind of news coming at all. Yeah, they did a good job with their PR on that one. Then <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, companies converting their cash reserves into Bitcoin, ours included. We recently, um, episode number 10, interviewed Ali Hamam and um, he told us about how Tahini's restaurant converted their cash reserves into Bitcoin. And uh, that was another fantastic news. And then also MicroStrategy, which is um, a multi-billion dollar company that just recently converted $425 million worth of their cash reserves into Bitcoin, which is all fantastic news for the crypto industry, and especially just uh, marketing Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then we also talked about Keegan, how you got paid from your previous company. Uh, part of your salary was deposited onto an exchange called Quadrica, which no longer exists. And we can cover that in another episode, but you used to get paid in Bitcoin and even working for our company, we deposit your, um, your funds into Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I say funds, payment. Yeah, your salary into Bitcoin. Yeah. And I still pay taxes. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> yes, you still you still pay taxes. And how we um, reimbursed you from the company in Bitcoin for purchasing your latest laptop. That's right. Yeah. Very cool stuff. <laughs> well, if any of this went over your mind, and if you want to reach out to us and just say hi or say hey, that was a little bit over my mind. Can you explain that a little bit further? We would love to start a conversation with you. And again, if you're enjoying our content and if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcasting app, as well as giving us a five-star review and leaving us a rating so that more people can trust that we're legit people and that we're bringing <laughs> great content to you on crypto. Well, everyone, thanks for listening and stay tuned. <laughs>